Our sermon this afternoon is from Mr. Barnabas Grayson. It is entitled, Portraits of Jesus. Good afternoon, everyone. You know, there are many portraits that have been painted of famous people. Um, they usually display a likeness of what that person looked like. And sometimes you can read in the face uh, their mood, perhaps their personality. One of the most famous paintings is that of Mona Lisa. You've heard of Mona Lisa, I know. And it was done in oil. But today we have, you know, digital photographies so that photographs are really made to uh, glamorize the person. Now, it's said that Mona Lisa is also known as uh, Lisa Giaconda, and she is best known, the most visited, the most written about, the most sung about, and the most parodied work of art in the world. But it is a portrait of a woman in real life. And everyone knows that it's her smile that is perhaps the most puzzling, that uh, people wonder what she's smiling at because she has this look or these eyes that are gazing off into the distance. Now, in the, <clears throat> the book of John, there are several I am statements that Jesus made there in the book of John. And it's about himself, a self-portrait of himself. He says, I am the bread of life. <clears throat> I am the way and the truth and the life. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the light of the world. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. Things that say what he is. So we don't have a picture of Christ, even though uh, many uh, uh, pictures exist as to what Christ may have looked like. Now, these are emphatic statements. They are definite, and they are clear about what he said. They're truthful because, you know, it says that thy word is truth. So the word am, if we'll look in uh, the book of John, there in, um, let's see. Oh, here it is. In John 14 and uh, verse 6, the word am is defined in my old Oxford, uh, in my old, not my shoes or anything, but my computer, which is one of those big, thick ones, you know. I still, we have a flat uh, computer. You know, I call them flat computers, but uh, never get it out. And so I have this, you know, this large uh, computer that I've had since a oh, long time. And uh, <clears throat> so it has a dictionary on it, and it's, and it's the Oxford uh, University Press Dictionary, and it, and it defines the word am as the first person singular, present of be, which is a verb, and it means in the present tense. It's like the verb is, it is, it exists. Now, in strong reference, the, uh, it's pronounced imi or imi, and it is defined in much the same way as that dictionary gives it. So, the Gospel of John opens our eyes to not only 
the existence of Jesus Christ as the I am in the first person singular, but also what that existence means to us in an ongoing in, uh, present indicative of who Christ is. And it points to him, to Jesus, to Jesus Christ as, you know, the bread of life or the true vine or the gate for the sheep and so on. So the life of Jesus had a purpose. And that was to fulfill the will of God. And just as Jesus does now, who sits at the right hand of God, the Savior, he is our Savior, and he is our high priest. So he has a purpose, an ongoing purpose. We know that Jesus was God sent. And the book of John gives us, you know, that emphatic statement also there in verse 1 of 1 John where it says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth so this we know speaks of Jesus so John wrote how they had perceived how they saw Jesus in the glory of the father because John first presented him in the first chapter that he was God manifested in the flesh. Matthew described him as Emmanuel or God with us. So they looked to him in the same way as God the Father who sent him and who represent and that Jesus represents him. Now you remember when Philip said that to show us the Father and Jesus said, have I been so long a time with you? And yet, have you not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. How say ye then, show us the Father? Believe you not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me. He does the works. So we come back to some familiar scriptures that we, you know, we read during the Passover time about Christ and his words to them at that time. So the words of Jesus, his teaching, his uh, miracles of healing and his glory and the grace that he has re reflected the Father. And so one of the statements that we see that Jesus made about him was his saying that I am the truth. I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. So we see in this story that the disciples, they were all gathered in a room with the doors shut for fear of the Jews. And they were quietly discussing, you know, the things that had taken place on that day, uh, that time Christ was crucified. And it was reported, you know, by the women that uh, Jesus, uh, his tomb was found empty. And they were told by the angel that he was risen. So Mary Magdalene and he, they, she ran and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken certain things to her. Now we know that there were spiritual ups and downs that the disciples and the people who believed in God had. But John gives us a story here in that book, in that gospel about belief in Jesus Christ and the words that were meant to guide us to belief in him. So let's go to John chapter 20. 
It says in verse 1, it was early, the first day of the week when it was yet dark, that Mary Magdalene went to the sepulcher, saw that the stone had been removed from the entry. Then she ran, came to Simon Peter, and to the other disciple. You know, it's, uh, throughout the scriptures here, this story here, it always refers to that other disciple. And to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved. And said unto them, They have taken away our Lord out of the sepulcher, and we don't know where they laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. They ran both together. So Peter and this other disciple were both running to the, to the tomb. And the other disciple, it says, verse 5, uh, verse 4, the other disciple outran Peter and was first to the sepulcher. And stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet he didn't go in. Then came Simon Peter following him. And he went into the sepulcher and saw the linen clothes lie. And then the napkin that was about his head, which came first to the sepulcher. Oh, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. In verse 8, then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulcher, and he saw and believed. So this sight led them to believe that Jesus was not there because he had risen. But, verse 9, for as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went again unto their own house. You know, probably scratching their heads, wondering uh, what took place. But Mary, verse 11, stood outside without at the sepulcher weeping. She was crying, and as she wept, she stooped down and then looked into the sepulcher. And what did she see? She, in verse 12, she saw two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. So we're given a, a, giving a picture, a story here that, you know, we can use our imagination to sort of see it in our own minds. And they said unto her, woman, why do you cry? And she said unto them, because they have taken away my Lord. And I don't know where they have laid him. And when she had thus spoken, she turned back and saw Jesus standing. But she didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, because at first she didn't recognize him, said unto him, sir, if you have borne, carried away uh, him from here, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Then Jesus said unto, said unto her, Mary, in that familiar voice that she had often heard so many times before when Jesus called her name, Mary, she turned herself, said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus said unto her, Touch me not, for I am yet ascended to my Father. So you know that Mary wanted to at least hug Jesus at that time. And she was probably about to when Jesus said, Touch me not, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But, go to my brethren, talking about the apostles, the disciples there, 
and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father and to my God and your God. So he was getting ready to ascend when he told Mary not to touch, touch him. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. So it was by the voice of Mary what she had seen that spurred the apostles, the disciples to go see what was happening. Now verse 19, the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, stood in the midst, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. So he suddenly appears there in their midst, and he tells them, Peace be unto you. You know, don't be afraid. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Spirit. So I believe Jesus, you know, uh, said this and did this individually to each one of those disciples that were there in the room. And he said to them, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But now we read about Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus. He was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We've seen the Lord. But he said unto them, this is Thomas. Unless I shall see his hands. The print of, his, of the nails. And put my finger in, into the print of the nails. And thrust my hand into his, into his side. I, I'll not believe. So after eight days. Again his disciples. They were within inside. And Thomas was with him this time. And then came Jesus. The doors were, you know, being shut. He came uh, when the doors were shut. And he stood in the midst and he said, Peace be unto you. This word, you know, when you look at uh, when Christ is in our presence or when we have some sort of a fear or maybe a doubt or maybe you don't know what's happening, sometimes this, these words, these simple words, Peace be unto you, is one of those things that we could remember in our lives. But said he to Thomas, verse 27, and he knew what Thomas was, had said, what, he, what he is, uh, Thomas was wanting to do. He said to Thomas, reach here your finger. And he had his, held out his hand. And, you know, Thomas did what he wanted to do. He put his finger into that where those uh, nails were driven in. And look at my hands. Reach here your hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. So Thomas answered unto him, and he said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And so what we have here in the word of God are steps that guide us into faith, into believing that Jesus is who he said he was. But there were many other signs that Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in the book. 
But these are written. Why do we read this today? Because these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So we come to the statement here in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So how then is Jesus, these three things that, that we see here, what do, they, what do they mean for us? Some might think, well, Jesus is just glorifying himself, committing blasphemy by claiming divine attributes that belong to the Father. But if this was not enough to offend the very religious Jews and the Pharisees of that time, we can imagine what the following statement Jesus made must have done more to their thinking. John 6, let's go to verse uh, 44, where Jesus said, He said that no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that has heard and has learned of the Father comes unto me. So there was a basic understanding that they had about God and about the coming Savior. Verse 47, not that any man has seen the Father except he which is of God. And that's, that's Jesus. He has seen the Father. Verily I say unto you, he that believes on me has everlasting life. So when you believe in Christ, when you believe in him as Savior, when you believe in him, you believe in God, and you know that you will have, everla have everlasting life. So Jesus then is the way to life that God has laid out for us. His word is truth and reflects the Father's will. In him is life. In him is existence. To, uh, the key to our existence. So this is the gospel that John gave us. So that our focus is on Christ as one sent. With the good news of being saved. Or of salvation. And of inheriting everlasting life. As we know there are many doubters. Who do not believe in the teachings of Christ. Who do not believe in God. So there are a lot of contentions. Religious and political and social. The world we know is full of a lot of hatred. Not love or compassion for others. And there is anger which is acted out in you know, horrible violence sometimes. So what Christ came to preach was a message of repentance from those things. And the good news about the coming kingdom of God. So, that is, you know, the words, the message to any who accept that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Matthew 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy 
of me. And he that takes not his cross and follows after me is not worthy of me. He that finds his life shall lose it. And he that loses his life for my sake shall find it. And verse 40. He that receives you receives me. And he that receives me receives him that sent me. So <clears throat> we see Jesus as a bringer of a message. And a message that is contrary to the way the world is. And so others who do not accept Christ or accept his message are, are bound to be contentious. Bound to be family problems. Things of that sort. Mark 14. Verse 57. There rose false witnesses against Jesus. Because they said we heard him say. I will destroy this temple and that's made with hands, referring to the temple that was there uh, before their eyes. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. But, verse 59, but neither so did their witness agree uh, together. So, you know, they had conflicting stories about uh, what they were testifying against Christ. And so the high priest stood up. And he asked Jesus, don't you have anything to say? What is it which these witnesses, these witness against you? What are they telling against you? But Jesus held his peace, verse 61, and he answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Christ, the son of the blessed or the son of God? As it's, as it's phrased in other uh, places. And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. We know that when Christ returns to the earth, he will be in the clouds of, in, of, of heaven, clouds that we see in the sky. And those who heard Jesus' testimony at that time, they will then see Jesus sitting on the right hand of power. So the high priest, what did he do when he heard that? The high priest rent his clothes and he said, What need we any further witnesses? You've heard the blasphemy. What so you think? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. So they began to spit on him and to cover his face and to buffet him and to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servants did strike him with the palms of their hands. Making this. So who was it that swatted you just then? Now Acts chapter 4. <clears throat> Be it known unto you. Verse 10. And to all the people of Israel. That by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified. Whom God raised from the dead. Even by him does this man. Stand here before you whole. Talking about the one that was healed. But this is a stone which was set at naught of you builders. Which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name, none other authority, none other power. Under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So God the Father put it into the hands of Jesus Jesus Christ, his son, gave him the authority to save mankind from, the, from their sins. And 
<clears throat> give them right to the tree of life by redeeming them <clears throat> through his sacrifice so that all who believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, let's see verse 8. Let's go to verse 8. Down to verse 8. <clears throat> you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all in subjection under him. Under him he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. So we see a few things right now. But we don't see everything quite yet. But, verse 9, but we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory, crowned with honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man, for every person, for you, for me. For it became him for whom are all things and by whom are all things to bring many sons unto glory. So his purpose is to bring us unto glory as children of God and to make and to be the captain of their salvation made perfect through uh, uh, sufferings for both he that sanctifies and they who are sanctified are all of one for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren I think uh, this reminds me I believe we uh, we saw that last week in the sermon Saying I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto you. And again I will put my trust in him. And again behold I and the children which God has given me. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. He also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is you know that's the devil Satan the devil the one that deceives the whole world deliver them and deliver them through fear of death uh, were all their life, lifetime subject to bondage <clears throat> he took uh, not on him the nature of angels but he took on him the seed of Abraham wherefore in all things behoved him to be made like unto his brethren that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make a reconciliation for the sins of the people for in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to succor, succor them that are tempted. So Jesus became the way. In which we can have forgiveness and redemption. And he is our access. He became our access to God. He is the begotten son of God. Who became the son of man. So he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And he dwells in spirit. In all those who believe. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul said. That he, he ha, uh, as Christ. Had a purpose. The Apostle Paul also had a purpose. And that was. To preach Christ. And him. And uh, his sacrifice. And him crucified. I didn't put this on the. Uh, handout there. But it's. The uh, reference to First uh, Corinthians chapter two, uh, one through five. It says, "Brethren, I 
And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Paul said he didn't come, you know, to show off his speech or his bank of knowledge in declaring the words of God. But what, you know, what qualified him was the power of the Holy Spirit and the words that, was, that were given directly to him by Jesus Christ which are now written down for us to read and to study. And he said in verse 2, I determined, for I determined, that is, you know, he decided not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing or persuasive words of, wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God and what we see in the word of God is that power and that strength that gives us life so Paul had a purpose in his preaching that was uh, preach uh, Christ and him crucified and now in John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus said, I came down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which has sent me, that of all which he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me. That every one which sees the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. But you know in verse 41 the Jews they murmured at him because he said I am the bread which came down from heaven. So we'll take a, a brief look at this second portrait where it says I am the bread of life John 6 35 Jesus said unto them I am the bread of life he that comes to me shall never hunger and he that believes on me shall never thirst so we have to partake of the daily bread of life and to feed off on his word and live accordingly because it will lead to everlasting life now a lot of people <clears throat> do get tired of life they may get bored they get burned out they get tired of work but we live to overcome those things that's our purpose but only if we feed upon the word of God put them into our minds and into our hearts and look to them to help us overcome some of those adversities and some of those pitfalls and uh, our human nature so we have to take to word this portrait of Christ who said I am the bread of life. 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2. As it is written. And this is in verse 9. But as it is written. I has not seen. Nor ear heard. Neither have entered into the heart of man. The things which God. Has prepared for them. That love him. So you know. We're temporal. We're physical flesh and blood. We only see what we see today. That's all. And, but in our imagination, we could probably look a little bit beyond, but 
it really doesn't tell quite the, the big picture of what is to be in that coming kingdom. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Yea the deep things of God. The profound things of God. So sometimes in our life we have to stop and think. About, you know, about our life. What God is doing in our life. And how God sees us. And how he wants us to be in spite of you know, many things. Many trials and troubles that happen to us. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that, verse 1, that God who at sundry times and in different manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. John 4.24 tells us that God is a spirit. That God is spirit. And in 1 John 4.12 it says that no man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwells in us and his love is perfected. In us. So it is in Jesus that one may see the Father's nature, his holy nature, as expressed in love and faith and righteousness and, and mercy and all those good qualities that make for a good life. And also in the miracles that we read about. And sometimes in this world, you know, we, we wonder, well, where all the, are all the miracles? John chapter 6. We know that a great multitude followed Christ and uh, they saw his miracles and what he had did, to, uh, how he healed all those that had diseases. And uh, Jesus uh, went up into a mountain. And Jesus, when he looked at this big crowd that had followed him in verse 5, he saw a great company that had come unto him and he said unto Philip, what do we have to buy bread that, uh, we, that these may eat? And he said this to Philip to prove him. For he, Jesus himself knew what he would do. So Philip answered, well, we have 200 penny worth of bread. But that's not sufficient for them. That everyone may take a little. And that, were, that amounted to about eight months wages. And that would not buy enough bread or food for each one to have a bite. So one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he said unto Christ, he said, There's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. 5,000 sitting you know, on a slope, grass, that made it everything a little bit comfortable. And Jesus took those loaves. And he, had, and he gave thanks. And he gave it to his disciples. And the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would. So when Jesus you know, uh, have, said have them sit down. 
uh, it kind of makes you wonder, well, what if some were still standing? Did they get their share uh, of, of the bread and fish? Verse 12, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And they gathered them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above them that had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did, this is of a truth that the pro- that prophet that should co- uh, this is of a truth that prophet that should come into the world. So they were remembered that Moses, you know, said that the, there would be a prophet like him, and that this sign that they saw, this miracle that they saw. Uh, made them think well this is the prophet that Moses talked about Jesus as the one who would lead them from Roman bondage now when Jesus perceived that they would come and take him by force and and to make him a king he departed again into a mountain himself alone so Jesus it wasn't his time to establish the kingdom on earth as they expected him to but there were so many of them they would have put a crown on his head put a robe on him and forcefully made him king but it was he didn't want that so what is the message in all this that we read about these stories that we've read so many times before it's all about believing in Jesus Christ so what we have are words that we have to put our trust in it's about believing in God it's about believing in Jesus Christ and in the words that lead to life. John 6. 24. When the people therefore saw. That Jesus was not there. You know. Uh, he had gone somewhere else. And so. Uh, they went to look for him. And they found him on the other side of the sea. And they said to him. Rabbi. Why or when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said. Truly I say unto you. You seek me. Not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. So they still had an appetite. They wanted, they wanted more. And when they saw that it was just like an easy meal that filled them, they did not understand the miracle behind it. And so Jesus said to them, to those who would be able to understand, he said, don't labor for the meat, in verse 27, which perishes, but for the meat which endures unto everlasting life which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him has God the Father sealed. And so they said unto him, Well, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. So all of these miracles, all of these sayings, all of these uh, uh, self-portraits that Christ gave are for the purpose of coming to believe in uh, Christ and in God who sent him and they in verse 30 they asked uh, well what sign show you then that we may see and believe you and what do you work our fathers ate manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat and Jesus said unto them truly I say unto you Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread of heaven So the manna that rained down from heaven 
was, you know, for one day's use. If it was kept overnight, it would uh, spoil. It was temporary. And, but it provided everything uh, needed. It was kind of like a miracle health food that they had, that ancient Israel had eaten 40, 40 uh, years. But we see spiritually that it happened in that it pointed to a day of rest, the Sabbath, by the giving of a double portion of manna on the day before the Sabbath because they couldn't carry it, uh, it didn't carry over into the seventh day Sabbath without spoiling. So the true bread of life is Jesus in verse 33. The bread of God is he which came down from heaven and gives life unto the world. And they said unto him, Lord evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. Let's go down to the uh, last verse. Uh, verse 39. And this is the Father's will. Which has sent me. That of all which he has given me. I should lose nothing. So we are given into Christ's hands. And it's not his purpose to lose any one of us. The only way that we might lose out is. If we don't partake of that daily bread. In which we pray give us this day our daily bread verse 40 and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which sees the son and believes on him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up at the last day so far we've looked at two portraits of Jesus Christ who said I am the way the truth and the life and who also said I am the bread of life so we know that they're uh, brought up at least seven statements that Jesus said. So some other time, God willing, we'll look into these other words that have to do with Jesus saying, I am, like, you know, I am the light of the world and I am the true vine. And all of these, and the handout that I gave you is, you know, just for your uh, study try to put it all in context but all of this is in the book of John for our benefit today <laughs>